What do you think it is about small town romances that are making them such a delightful escape for readers right now? This is a topic I could talk at length about, Christy. (laughs) (laughs) My whole life growing up. Welcome to the Get Cozy Podcast. I'm Christy Meyer, your host, and I'll be bringing you author interviews and plenty of books to keep your TBR piles toppling. So grab a cup of your favorite hot beverage and let's get cozy. Hello, my cozy friends. I am so excited to have one of my real life friends and the author of the cutest sweet romance book that I have ever read on the show today, Strawberry Fields Forever just came out last week. I cannot recommend it enough. And the author is, of course, the delightful Kate Watson. So welcome to the show, Kate. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh my goodness. It's always such a pleasure to chat with you. I'm so excited to dig in and talk all about this book because I do adore a good small town romance, as do most of the listeners that tune into this show. And like I said, I absolutely love Strawberry Fields for Never. I'm so excited to chat. So do you want to just kick off the conversation by telling our listeners what that book is all about? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll take it kind of in two different angles. The first is in terms of tropes. Romance lovers just love their tropes. So Mm -hmm. from a trope perspective, we have enemies to lovers. We have best friend squads, mutual healing, he falls first which is a personal favorite of mine, Mm -hmm. Uh, small town, and then uh, double meet cute. And then, of course, it has all the banter and chemistry that you'd expect in any sort of enemies to more enemies to lovers story. Uh, And then from an actual storyline perspective, the book is about two characters, Jane and Tripp. So Jane is the CEO of a failing marketing company, and she hastily accepts a major client so that she can save her company and hopefully her friend's jobs. The client is the octogenarian owner of a famous farm. And he is so sweet. He's sweet as sugar to her. And that reminds her of her grandfather and kind of helps her remember some of the love and support that he gave her at the hardest times of her life. So she accepts this job. But the only problem is that that he has a couple of stipulations that Jane is not quite sure she's going to be able to follow through on. One of those stipulations is that she has to turn the farm into the kind of place that his grandson wants to grow old. She is determined to prove to everyone, her friends, uh, everyone on the farm, herself, that she can do this. So because of how she was raised, she has a bit of a saving everyone complex, and she decides to accept the job without telling any of her friends. Problem is, her friends happen to be the co-founders of the marketing company, and they are not that excited to find out that she's taken the job without their approval. As a result, she finds herself sitting all alone in an airport in South Carolina, ready to rebrand a famous failing farm all by herself. Meanwhile, we have Tripp. Mm-hmm. Tripp is the heir to the farm that Jane he's been hired or that she's been hired to rebrand. His grandfather has just passed away when the story starts, and Tripp and his grandfather had a really complex relationship. He was orphaned at a young age, and he was raised by his grandpa on the farm. But his grandpa is this old school John Wayne kind of guy, and he's a man of few words and even fewer compliments. So Tripp and his grandfather had did not always see things eye to eye, and his grandpa knew that Tripp had no desire to run the farm or be part of it at all. Instead, he wanted to work in another part of the family's kind of massive operation, but his grandfather stuck him with the farm, and now he just wants to get rid of it as soon as possible. So naturally, when Jane and Tripp meet, sparks fly, and when they find out who the other is, those sparks 
become more of a firing squad. <laughs> oh my goodness. So. I love that. That is the perfect tagline. And I just have to say like all the tropes that are in this book are literally like all of my favorite tropes. So I was just <laughs> eating this up. Like the setting is so great. The girl squad is fabulous. And the banter, the banter between these characters is just absolutely amazing. I adored both Jane and Trip, and I thought that the way that you gave them conflicting goals just really made for some fabulous tension in the novel. So can you tell us a little bit about each of them and maybe what they both think they want at the beginning of the story? Yeah, absolutely. So at the beginning of the story, as I mentioned before, I kind of hinted on this, but Jane is absolutely desperate. She's spent her whole life sacrificing what she wants for the wants of those around her. So she convinced her four best friends to start a marketing firm with her after they'd all graduated from their various master's programs and were a couple of years into their careers. They were all doing really well in their careers when Jane took them to start this new company. And unfortunately, the company is failing. So when Jane does talk to the CEO of this famous farm, he offers her this multi-million dollar contract to rebrand the farm. But she is so desperate that she really just just doesn't even think about the effect this is going to have on the people around her. Mm-hmm. She just sees it as part of her, you know, I've got, I've got to do everything I can to save everybody. So her friends don't, don't feel that way. That sets up, I hope, a lot of conflict around how desperate she really is when she gets to the farm. And I think also, ideally, it sets up that feeling of isolation of her just really not having anyone in the world who's kind of in this with her. So when she meets Tripp, He is the new heir, as I mentioned, to this whole farming operation that he adamantly does not want. And he has spent his whole life feeling like he doesn't belong, like he's not enough of a Carville. That's the family name. He's not enough of a Carville for his grandfather to have let him in on the bigger operation of Carville Industries. So he feels like there's just the sting of rejection for him to be stuck with the farm that's, that's not even got the family name on it which is how he feels like his grandfather saw him as just someone not worthy of, of being part of the Carville family business. So he meets Jane and he's always kind of felt alone and other and, and just this rejected kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And he has this urgent need to really just get rid of the farm as, as quickly as possible. And he's ready to do anything he can to, to get out of this um, albatross around his neck is how he sees it. But uh, then he meets Jane, and there's just this instant chemistry. They connect so, so fast. And it should be when he finds out what, you know, what she's here to do, you would hope that that would be enough for him to want to stay. But instead, it's just, you know, now he's, he's kind of has to declare war with this girl that he, in any other situation, would have just instantly fallen for. Mm-hmm. So I, my hope is that that creates a lot of tension between those two, that they, they should want to come together, but they absolutely have to have to fight to the death to try to try to get what they want yeah it absolutely does create so much tension and I thought Jane was so relatable um and like you mentioned they have like a a mutual healing journey throughout the book and the way that she kind of like opens Tripp's eyes to different realities um about his own life situation was so fascinating and heartwarming and I just I loved every second 
of the journey of being with these characters. It was so much fun. And then we did mention you have a very charming setting. So uh, Sugar Maple Farms is the farm that Tripp's family owns. Um, and it's so, so cute. It's so quaint. And I was wondering if it was inspired by any real world locations that you visited. That is such a good question. So it is not really, I'll, I'll say that just like on the surface, it's not, uh-huh. but it is very much. I would say that the farm and the town are, are really composites more than anything. So I grew up in a literal village. So small town life is very familiar to me. Right. I mean, I was talking 800 people, right? And the, wow. and the towns around us were, you know, 3,000, you know, 4,000. The big city closest by was 70,000 people. So small town life is something I'm just really familiar with. That's my, that was my whole world. Okay. But there were actual working farms everywhere where I grew up. That's, that's the kind of place where it was. And it wasn't, they weren't the kind of farms where you would find a pumpkin patch. That was something that I was exposed to as I, as I moved out of my, (laughs) my very small town rural, rural life. But we, my husband and I moved to South Carolina for a few years while he was in grad school. Oh, wow. And that is where, yeah, so that's where I, I started to really see what, small towns looked like in a completely different place. And in the South, they did have a really different vibe, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, so much of the similar kind of experiences that you have when you're, you know, when you're in a small town, everyone knowing everybody's business and things like that. But it was since I've grown up that I've seen these farms that are just so darling where you can go and actually, you know, pick strawberries or pick apples um, where you can go into a pumpkin patch or there's a light farm. There's a, where I live here in, in Arizona now, there are those farms that have like the bunny land and have the, the Christmas lights and, and things like that, as, yeah. in addition to the pumpkin patches. Cute. So just being able to see that these kind of places really do exist in real life and then taking it all and planting it somewhere completely different. It was really fun getting to do that and getting to just study out what all of these different farms have that makes them so special and unique and then hopefully making that for my setting. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought uh, the strawberry fields particularly in this are so, so, so cute. And you do absolutely just capture that like small town farm kind of vibe that um, is so appealing right now, I think, in a, in a time where we severely have a, a feeling of lack uh, of community in some of like the bigger cities and more rural areas. So it's just such a delightful escape when you get to read books like that. Yeah, thanks. I'm so glad you connected with it. Yeah. And you also introduce a really interesting conversation in this book about how sometimes when women achieve success, people will often say that it's just because they're pretty, which isn't something that men typically have to deal with. Um, And then your main character, Jane, is also surrounded by some very talented, brilliant women in her professional and personal life. I love the feminist themes in this book. And I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how other women have played a role in your own success. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for such an insightful question. Before I left the workforce, I was a senior director for a large company. It was a Fortune 500 company. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, I was surrounded by tons and tons of really amazing women. Um, And frankly, some not as amazing. (laughs) I I won't name any names. But, um, you know, when you're around that many people, you get to see women from all different personalities, all different backgrounds, shapes, sizes, ethnicities, races, and and they all have such different 
ways of coming at different problems. Um, mm-hmm. Some some women were a little cutthroat. Some were the most supportive, loyal, and encouraging women that I could ever hope to work with. Um, and so one of them in particular is someone who actually I, I thought a lot about as I wrote Jane, because this woman was absolutely stunning. I mean, truly one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in real life. Uh-huh. And she she was the kind of woman who she was so crafty in the best kind of way. She was so smart. She had such a unique way of problem solving. And one of the things I really admired most about her was that every time that she would move up and she moved up, she pulled the people around her with her. There was never a feeling or step. Yeah. She never stepped on people to get where she went. She took everyone with her. It was just that, you know, that old adage about how a rising tide lifts all boats. She was that rising tide. And when, when you were in with her and you had to work your way in, right? You had to prove that you were going to work really, really hard, that you were going to commit yourself. But once you were in, she just absolutely elevated everyone around her. Mm -hmm. And she taught me so much about, about loyalty. She, she really taught me that ambition is fine, but it is so much stronger when it's paired with loyalty. Yeah. So she was, she was a big inspiration for me. Oh my goodness. I love that. She sounds incredible. What a great, like, uh, mentor to have in your life. Yeah. Yeah, she was. And she was, she was there at the, at the exact right time to be that mentor. Like you said, one of the things that I've been really excited to learn is that since I've been in the rom-com writing world Uh and in the young adult world before this, I've really been blown away to see that there are a lot of really big name authors who are exactly like that. Yeah. There's really not that same feeling of competition. It just feels like it's all love and support. When when these authors are finding somebody who they feel like writes what they like to read, it just seems like they become as big of cheerleaders as any bookstagrammer or or reader or, you know, reviewer out there. Mm-hmm. And that has been so gratifying to see. And and it has been it has made a huge difference for me in my ability to feel like I could actually get my feet kind of set and, and be able to figure out this whole indie journey. Right. That's amazing. I love that. Um, I love uh, that most authors in the in the community do have that idea that there's just space for everyone and the, you know, we rise by helping others. Um, and it's just a really beautiful thing. And it is like quite a thing to move from where you were traditionally publishing YA to now indie publishing adult sweet romance. Um, so that's great that you had such a wonderful support system around you. Yeah, it has been really, really nice. That that switch has been harder than I think I expected or anticipated coming in just because uh-huh. they are, they, they felt really complimentary on the surface, the two types of, uh, you know, books that I was writing. Right. But as, as I've kind of peeled back all the layers to really try to figure out how to indie publish and how to write a totally different genre and, and age category. Um, there are a lot of differences. And so it's been really nice having people just hold my hand and answer all of the questions. And I mean, I can't even tell you how long some of the Marco Polos are with some of my friends. Um, <laughs> Melanie Jacobson, massive shout out. Melanie Jacobson, Kaylee Baldwin, Renee Clark, uh, Jenny Proctor, Becky Wallace, Sarah Larson, Brittany Larson. They have just been like, and not all of them are tr- are indie published, um, right. but everyone has come kind of both. But man, these women are just, they are like hashtag friend goals. <laughs> like they are just so, so kind and supportive. Oh, that's amazing. I love that so much. That's so cool to hear um, that story about like authors lifting other authors and being there to support 
Um, and I'm sure it is kind of a challenge to go from writing like YA to writing adult. There's just like different genre expectations. And then with indie, like you're you're wearing all the hats <laughs> that, you know, a yeah. traditional publishing house would have done for you a little bit before. So that's a very steep learning curve. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you know what that's like right now. But yeah, it's it's a lot. <laughs> it can be really overwhelming. And I think if it felt really cutthroat, it would be something that most people probably would feel like they were even empowered to do. Exactly, exactly. I uh, personally feel that it, if you want to write books, it's so important to find some friends that write as well because there's so many different points in a writing journey that are incredibly discouraging and frustrating and it's so easy to quit. Um, but if you have like a cheerleading squad of other writers to kind of carry you through those tough moments, that's kind of how you get across yeah. the finish line. I, I couldn't have done it by myself. Yeah, absolutely. Perfectly said. So uh, we do have to talk about small town romances because um, there's just something so charming about them. And they are certainly having a moment in the book community right now. I see Oh my goodness, bookstagrammers are getting so creative with like the different memes they're creating about their small town romance era and all their recommendations and playlists. And it's just amazing and it's so fun to see. So what do you think it is about small town romances that are making them such a delightful escape for readers right now? This is a topic I could talk at length about, Christy. <laughs> Me <laughs> too. My whole life growing up. <laughs> yeah, you know, being from an actual village, and I have to really emphasize, like, we're talking literal vi village. Where I grew up, villages were so common that there's, like, a whole rating system of, like, if you have this many people, you're a hamlet, which is smaller than a village. Oh, wow. I mean, it, you know, like, this is, <laughs> this is a way of life. Um, but I think that really what is appealing, there's so much that's appealing, but small towns just offer so much in terms of a setting. Mm -hmm. I adore stories where the setting feels like more than just a simple backdrop, you know, it's where, where it's more than just where things happen, but rather feels like a dynamic part of the story. And mm -hmm. I think a small town just really lends itself to that. In general, I would say that small towns, I think they offer us something different than most of us currently have. So even though I grew up in one, the idea of revisiting one is just a little bit magical. They, Like you said, they're a wonderful escape, mm -hmm. right? It's just something so different than our typical fast-paced routine. So, of course, you get that slower and simpler pace that most of us crave. Yeah. But I think it's also just that quiet in the midst of chaos. And it's the idea that if you are in a small town, there are so many people who know everything about your life. Mm -hmm. And yet they don't know about your life just so they can gossip about you. They're gossiping about you because they care about you. Right. There's something so charming about having, you know, that idea that there's hundreds of people at any point who could be talking about hundreds of other people, whether they're at the, you know, the one diner in town or the one gas station or, you know, you're crossing the street and someone's blessing your heart, you know, all of those types <laughs> of things. Yeah. There's just, there's just something so, so touching about having people care about you even if sometimes it gets a little gossipy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I live like in the country in Utah, but it is like a, a suburban type of fill now. It used to be like very small town and country when I was a kid. And it's like, I don't even know my, like most of my neighbors. I know maybe two of them. And it is just that idea yeah. of like having this community of people who genuinely care about who you can have like genuine friendships with is just so appealing right now when we've got like 
social media that's supposed to make us feel more connected, but like ultimately kind of makes us feel very disconnected instead because we don't have those in-person conversations and interactions as much anymore. Yes, that is such a great way of putting it. When you're in a small town, you can't avoid those types of conversations, even Mm -hmm. if you want to, even if you're an introvert or even if you're having a bad day. When you pull up and somebody else, you know, there's five different people who are waiting at that one gas station, you are going to have to talk to people. And a lot of times there's really bad cell service too. So you can't even (laughs) just be on your phone if you're not by your Wi-Fi. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And I will say that like, I've known, because I have like introverted tendencies and I've noticed like if I'm having a bad day and I am in a bad mood, like all I want to do is just like huddle up in my house, but that's just going to make my bad mood worse. Like if I can get out, maybe like go to my local bookstore, like talk to some real human beings and have that like face-to-face interaction with people who I am like genuinely friends with and care about, like it turns my whole day around. So the idea of just like having that right outside your front door is lovely. Yeah, so, so true. So speaking of small town romances, um, what are a few of your favorites that you would recommend to our listeners? So Renee S. Clark, she has a Love and Little Little River series, Love and Little River. Um, and it's a really charming series. Uh, it takes, some pl- takes place in Wyoming and it has all of these different kind of in- interconnected characters. I just started Savannah Scott's delightful ship series mm-hmm. it takes place in the fictional town of it's spelled bordeaux ohio but it's pronounced board ox which is just <laughs> as delightful as it sounds Bored it ox. has all the meddling seniors and all the hot men in trucks that your heart could ever desire <laughs> i love that and then my favorite right now is probably one written by jenny proctor and emma st Clair. they have a new series together and it takes place in the fictional oakley island off the Carolinas and it follows three very different sisters who inherit their grandmother's house on this island and so they have to work to restore it. Each sister has a different tie to the island and a different reason for leaving their fast-paced life in order to stay and it is just utterly charming. The town already feels really fleshed out from the very first couple of chapters of the first book so I've just moved on to the second and I'm absolutely adoring it. Could not recommend more. Oh my goodness, those all sound like so much fun. I'm sitting here like adding them to my Goodreads list <laughs> as, you're, as you're speaking. And then let's see, I know, okay, so two of my like very favorite books that I've read recently are by Sarah Adams. Um, so it's When in Rome and then Practice Makes Perfect. And they're both small, small town ro- romances. They're traditionally published through Berkeley, but they are closed door romances. Um, so I do feel like they're like a good fit for the audience for this podcast in particular. Um, and I just, yeah. I love them. It's got like the, you know, the meddling, like kind of gossipy, but funny, charming neighbors, like very um, Stars Hollow-esque, which I always, always yeah. love. And they're just so like cute and funny and uplifting. Like you walk away with a smile on your face and that that's just like my perfect kind of book. Yeah, absolutely. I've read one by Sarah Adams and I loved it. So I've been meaning to read those two that you just mentioned. Yeah, hers are absolutely wonderful. Um, And then also, I believe it's BK Borison that wrote the Love Light Farms books. Um, I think hers are a little bit spicier than Sarah Adams, but they're also just delightful, very immersive small town setting. Um, And I think they were indie published and then they just got 
picked up to be like republished traditionally, which is kind of cool. And I've been seeing that more and more recently. And I've never seen that happen before, like this, the last couple of years, really. Wow, that is really cool. That speaks to how how much indie publishing is getting noticed, I think, too. I know. And, you know, honestly, I think uh, we can attribute a lot of that to um, the the girlies over on TikTok because <laughs> they don't care if a book is traditionally published or indie published. Like, they just want a super swoony, immersive romance. And then they blow those books up and then traditional publishing houses see them and then just magical things happen. It's amazing. It is. You can never under, underestimate the power of a young woman with technology. Mm-hmm. They they just kind of can move the whole world. I love that. Oh, I know. I know. Some passion and some technology. And oh my goodness, the stuff that I have seen happen in the publishing industry in the past couple of years has just been amazing. Like books getting... Um, entire like cover redesigns because everyone on TikTok is loving the book but they don't love the cover so much then the publishing house you know invests the money to get the author the beautiful cover that they always deserved like just really cool things yeah that is so cool way to go TikTok I Save know the world. I know thank you <laughs> TikTokers <laughs> so your book is categorized as a sweet romance um, and for our listeners who may not be familiar with that term can you explain what that means yeah. So sweet romance, I would say that it it has an overall happy tone and a guaranteed happily ever after. It doesn't necessarily mean that there won't be any heavy topics because mm-hmm. like mine, I, I think that there are a lot of times really rich, heavy discussions that happen in these. And sometimes there's trauma. I'm seeing a lot of content and trigger warnings for people. Um, but the point is, is that as the book deals with those kind of topics, you're never left despairing, but rather uplifted. You know, at the end of one of these sweet romances, you are just, you're like, exactly like you said, you are just smiling, you know, and that, that should be the feel that someone gets from reading one of these. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, and I, I will say like, as a reader who likes to read, um, like more of the closed door romance type of books, it can be very, very hard to find them because publishing houses don't like to publish them quite as much as they like to publish the spicier ones, which is fine. Like no shade on spicy books whatsoever. But I'm wondering if you can tell us like where can readers go if they're looking for some sweet romance book recommendations? Yeah. So I'm going to give a couple of different terms um, because like you, like you said, uh, there, there is a kind of a whole range from sweet to spicy. Um, we're seeing a lot more, I think, recently that sweet is, doesn't always mean closed door or another term w- that you'll see a lot of times is clean and wholesome. Mm-hmm. And, and hopefully things don't come off as judgments so much as just like categories, like, like a rating system, because I like, I like the types of books that I like and I, sh- I want to be able to find where those are. So exactly like you're saying, if I want to find a sweet romance book, well, is this going to be sweet with heat? Or is it going to be sweet and closed or clean? Mm-hmm. So hopefully don't feel like anyone's being shamed or judged for the types of books they do read, but can rather just see it as a handy, really easy reference guide that lets right. you control your own heat level. Um, so what, I'll, what I'll, I would say with mine is, is you would categorize it probably as sweet, certainly closed door, meaning any sort of intimacy would happen off screen. Um, or off page rather, and then uh, clean and wholesome, which would imply that there's not going to be anything more than really mild innuendo and mild language. Mm-hmm. 
because you know that is that is going to be something that's important to some people, whereas other people aren't going to care about that at all. Right. So so um, what I would say in general is Instagram, TikTok. You know, you're going to find some really passionate readers who recommend this type of this type of book. Um, someone I'm, I've really really liked recently. I've only just discovered her within the last couple of months, but Jen over at Sweet Clean Reads on Instagram. She is a really passionate advocate for authors and for indie authors very specifically. So she's constantly telling people about new books and she reads really voraciously. Another one is Rachel with Sweet Romance Authors over on Instagram. And then Susan Madison with We Break for Books. They're, They're all three of these are great. But then another really simple way is just to look at Amazon, you know, find a a sweet book, you know, look up mine, (laughs) but you find that, go down on the Amazon page to to what their categories are. And you're going to find romantic comedies or you're going to find, you know, for instance, clean and wholesome. And if you click on that, clean and wholesome is always pretty much going to be a sweet romance as well. You know, this happy, uplifting kind of thing. And so if you look at that and you look at the top 100 or the new releases, you're going to find a lot of books there. Um, but it, it is really just neat seeing how these books are just kind of getting shouted from the rooftops in mm-hmm. these little corners of the internet where, where people hang. So once you find one person, you're going to find a whole network of people who are associated with them, who are also screaming and shouting and cheering on their favorite books. Yeah. So hopefully that is a nice, easy way to try to find some of these. Yeah, I love that. I just followed um, those bookstagrammers that you mentioned. And then that's a great recommendation on how to like use Amazon to find more recommendations because their website can be honestly like a bit of a bear (laughs) to use sometimes (laughs) as can Goodreads. Um, So that's a great suggestion. Yeah, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I hope it helps people. Yeah, absolutely. And then I have to ask, um, can you tell us anything about what you're working on now? I know you've got a lot of stuff going on over there. Yeah. So the series that I have just started with Strawberry Fields for Never it is going to be a five book series and it's going to follow each of the five best friends. Yeah. So the Janes, as they call themselves, and the reason they call themselves that is because each of them has Jane in their name. So Jane is the the title character, you know, the first character, and then everyone else has the same middle name of Jane. And that was just inspired on uh, my own daughter. Her middle name is Jane and just how many Janes we've met Mm -hmm. (laughs) since giving her that delightful name. So the Second book follows the second of the Janes, Millie Jane, uh, and she is one of Jane's best friends from book one. And we see her, I think, a fair amount in Strawberry Fields Forever. Uh-huh. And we know that she has this kind of just burning desire to be a wife and a mother. But she has kind of her own tragic backstory that means that becoming a mother is going to be impossible for her. Mm-hmm. So she, you know, she already plans to adopt to do whatever it needs she needs to but she's finding that that the right kind of guy does not uh does not seem to exist for her right now so in the first book she's introduced to trip's goddaughter lottie who is the sweetest little thing and who has very obviously has a trauma past millie Uh can tell this and millie just instantly warms to her and loves her and just wants to take care of her and we're going to we're going to see her interact a lot more with Lottie in the next book and with Lottie's dad, Duke. 
Oh, that's so exciting. I feel like you did a really good job of introducing uh, Millie and Lottie and Duke in the first book. And I am already like so excited to watch that romance unfold. Like you have a little epilogue um, at the end of Strawberry Fields for Never where we get to see a little bit more of Millie and Lottie. And I just am already so invested. Um, and I'm really excited because that book comes out somewhat soon, right? Yeah, I have it right now that it will be out um, sometime in the winter, but in the I winter. think okay. I'm going to be able to. It. I think I'm going to be able to get it out in the fall. Oh, so awesome! It's yeah, the first draft is done. It's a really, really ugly first draft, but I'm going <laughs> to pretty just suck her up, and we're going <laughs> to. Yeah, as they always are. That's right. Oh, that's <laughs> but yeah, so I'm I'm just at work editing right now, and so I'm hoping that it'll be sometime kind of mid fall is my hope. Okay, awesome. Well, we will definitely stay tuned for that. And before we sign off, do you just want to let our listeners know how they can connect with you online and also keep up to date on all of these upcoming book releases that you have? Yeah, absolutely. So if readers uh, want any more of my books, they can go to uh, katewatsonbooks.net. And there I have a link to my newsletter where you can get a free novella from me. And then you can get all of the updates and everything like that that are uh, going to be happening. I will send it out once every week or two. Uh, so not, you know, I'm not a particularly spammy author, but um, yeah, this free novella, I'm already hearing a lot of love for it from the people who signed up and have read it. So I, I hope it's a really good magnet for, for people to want to stick to. Um, but then I'm also on Instagram at Kate Watson books. And then I have a Facebook, uh, Facebook group, um, Kate Watson's clean rom-com readers. And I'm on Facebook as Kate Watson, sweet rom-com author. Awesome. Well, Kate, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I always have a wonderful time talking to you, and I just really appreciate your time. And this has just been so much fun. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for all you do to really celebrate books and celebrate authors. You add so much to this space. So it is just an honor to be part of this today. Oh, thank you. That's uh, definitely my, my passion and my favorite thing to do. So I really appreciate that. And listeners, we appreciate you joining us so much as well. And we'll be back with another episode soon. So stay tuned. That's all for today's episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Get Cozy Podcast to see which authors we'll be hosting in our upcoming episodes. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, happy reading and stay cozy. Stay cozy.